It's time for The Bright Side, a coaching radio show for changemakers, the organizations and positive leaders creating positive change in the world. The Bright Side is sponsored by P-Link Leadership. At P-Link Leadership, we have one big goal, to accelerate positive change. It's all based on fusing the sciences of human nature with the discipline of leadership to transform the world at work, or as we call it, accelerating positive change in a big way. And now as your host, Alexis Robin, Chief Experience Officer and Co-Founder of P-Link Leadership, I'm here to bring you 10 minutes of insight, theory, and actionable tips to support you on your journey of becoming the best version of yourself. Welcome back to The Bright Side. This is Alexis Robin. I'm super excited to be welcoming Kelly Campbell back for another conversation. You might have heard her in our previous show on Conscious Leadership. Kelly is a trauma-informed leadership coach, keynote speaker, and sponsored podcast host. And they are also the founder of Conscious Leaders, the world's most diverse speakers agency. Her debut book on trauma and leadership will be published by Wiley in spring of 24. So watch for that. Welcome back, Kelly. It's great to have you. Yeah, I'm excited for round two of this riveting conversation. Absolutely. So today we're talking about the trauma and leadership connection, which is super interesting. I hadn't made the connection before I started talking to you and um, listening to some of your podcasts and uh, and dipping into your resources. So excited to learn more about it and to bring it to our listeners today on the bright side. So let's open up. I know in our last session, we talked a little bit about what we meant by trauma, but for those folks who are arriving for the first time, if you can build on that a bit and um, and help us just define what we mean by trauma, since it's kind of a loaded word. Yeah, I would love to. And I'd love to make it um, not so loaded for folks who might bristle at it a little bit. Um, so the easiest way to do that is to talk about trauma in terms of um, unintegrated information, right? So we don't, we don't have to get into all of the definitions of trauma in terms of what they what we mean by big T and small T and you know things that we might think of as more extreme or more subtle. I think if we think about it um, from a as an, as a non emotional as possible place, I think that kind of takes some of the the heaviness out of it. But unintegrated information. So what I mean by that is it's what's left in your body and your unconscious mind following a negative experience, whether that experience is large or small. So you experience something of maybe large negative event and you don't process it. And so then the emotion, the energy is somehow left unprocessed in the body. Right. In your body and in your unconscious mind. So those two things, right? Um, And if we specify that it's childhood trauma that we're talking about, we mean the experience, experiences that have specifically occurred during our formative years. So some people say zero to 12, some people say zero to 14. We can debate that or not. Um, But regardless of when those experiences, you know, have been integrated or not really determines the impact that they have on our behaviors, our thoughts, our feelings. And here we're talking about how that correlates with leadership. So here we're talking about how did we bring that, that those past emotional wounds and that unintegrated information into our leadership style. Yeah. And in, um, in peeling language, you may have heard on other shows, me talk about this as the inside game. And so these are our thoughts, beliefs, assumptions, things that we carry from the past that can keep us safe or can keep us, um, have protected us in a way that worked for a while, but then now is getting in the way of our ability to scale as a leader in an organization. And so important, the more we know, 
the more choices we have about what we do with the with that information and and those feelings and and the things that are rattling around the less we know when they stay in that subconscious brain and we're not aware of them the more i often talk about it it's like we're we're being operated by a, a little marionette puppeteer right it's like somebody says something and all of a sudden i'm having an outsized response and i don't know why because it's operating underneath the surface right so that inner work i would say accounts for about 70% of conscious leadership the outer work is about 30%. That's kind of how yeah, I think about it. And I've um, had a, a conversation with someone in the UK this morning who uh, does a lot of executive coaching in the conscious leadership space. And um, we were kind of riffing about you know how it really is much more about the self-awareness and the self-development. I would say also trauma integration. That paves the way for you to show up empathetically and vulnerably and all the things that are the hallmarks of conscious leadership. Fantastic. Absolutely. What is the connection between leadership and trauma? Well, um, we might agree that we bring ourselves wherever we go, right? So we, we, I think in our society in the U.S., we've kind of been taught that you can be yourself at home and then you've got to be your professional persona at work. And we know that that is not only impossible, um, it also sets us up for failure. It sets us up to wear a mask that makes us repress our emotions and just act inauthentically. So if we don't integrate and we don't show up authentically, we just project our stuff on others. And one of the things that I stumbled upon personally was the recreation of environments in which we play out our unmet needs. So mm. what I mean by that is my own personal story of owning my marketing agency, starting that at 22 years old, running that for 14 years and uh, selling it in 2016. That was a really incredible, um, incredibly rich learning experience. And now at 43, just within the last 12 months, I've realized that creating that agency was my way of recreating an environment in which I was valued, valued by my employees, valued by my clients, um, valued by other people in that particular industry. And it was all to do with the fact that I did not feel inherently valued as a child by my biological mother. Mm. So I was recreating an environment where this need to be valued, to matter, needed to exist. So I was sort of reparenting myself, if you will. But the business couldn't give me that. I needed to give me that. Right. So that's how we play this, this out. That, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, that's how it can correlate. That's not for everyone. Um, that's not why all of us go into business to, you know, recreate um, a situation where we're getting our, our unmet needs met or trying to anyway, but it certainly is a, a pretty high percentage if we're honest with ourselves. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, you know, I can imagine that that happens even when you take a job or a role where you're trying to fulfill an unmet need from somewhere else. It's like, oh, I'll get that here. And that is, when we think about the socialized mind being our value, our worthiness, our belonging, our safety is outside of ourselves versus inside of ourselves. That's very much that practice, right? Instead of being able to say, I'm valuable, I'm safe, I'm worthy of belonging from the inside, then I can be successful anywhere. But when it's outside, I have no control over it. And if somebody doesn't like me, if somebody doesn't like my work, if I get feedback, suddenly it becomes about me versus just the work and 
growing and and becoming more confident in my job. And that's the power, I think, of consciousness is really when we know ourselves well, we can do so much more. Yeah, 100%. Lead so much more effectively. How have you seen trauma impact leadership? Mm. Oh, let me count the ways. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we talk about low conscious leaders, we are very familiar with the the types of, I wouldn't even call them leaders. I'll call them bosses, Mm -hmm. authoritarians. We kind of see a lot of like fear-based management style. Um, I really hesitate to use the word leader or leadership when we're talking about low consciousness, because it's really just a projection of being wounded, right? So if, um, you know, there's, and there's so many examples, but if there were situations in uh, a current boss's life where maybe in their childhood, they were not seen, heard, valued, um, they were made to feel like they didn't matter, maybe part of their you know, mechanism for survival was that when they grew up, they were never going to put themselves in a situation like that. So they literally recreate an environment where people are scared of them and they, they create it that way on purpose. And that's where we have a lot of fear and aggression and, um, you know, just maladaptive behaviors from leaders. The flip side of that is you have leaders who really have done their inner work. They're really good at that inner game. And they've become self-aware to their own traumas, their own trauma responses, their own attachment styles. They've done enough personal work to realize I don't need to have all the answers. You know, things along the lines of just being very empathetic, very collaborative, all the hallmarks that we talked about in the the previous show um, and then a little bit earlier today. So those those wounds, those trauma responses, they absolutely lend themselves to the leadership style. Good, bad, and sometimes in the middle where we're actively working on it. Yeah, that's so interesting. It, one of the things that I'm pretty passionate about is um, living my life, making generous assumptions about people. And often when I see the you know, the harshest, the angriest, the most prickly folks out there, like my most generous assumption is like there's some un tended healing. You know, there's something that hasn't been worked through. There's somebody who's really hurt on the inside and and it's coming out that way. And it helps me create a space of compassion. Now, um, compassion without boundaries is not very effective, but but compassion so that I can put in boundaries without judgment, which I think is a powerful way to meet somebody like that. When you have a boss or you have a colleague who is, who is, prickly, who is authoritarian and that you want to set that boundary, but rather than, you know, you don't have to hate them to set the boundary. You can, you can say, wow, like it's okay that this person is hurt and it's not okay for them to talk to me that way or treat me that way. It was literally in a coaching session earlier today where this was exactly the conversation. So yeah, it shows up every single day in every single type of organization. Um, It's, it's sector agnostic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I, what I'm curious about too, is like this whole idea for years of like, you check your emotions at the door, you put on the mask at work, like you're talking about, I mean, that's like a whole full-time job to show up as somebody different than you are at work because you're constantly having to monitor, like, am I letting my real authenticity leak through or am I keeping up the facade? I mean, there's a lot of energy that goes into that. And I wonder if things have been able to kind of 
go spiral a little bit because we've said like, just ignore the emotions, like don't bring that to work, like ignore that. And so then anything that plays out at work doesn't get investigated because it's like, well, we don't talk about that here. I mean, it's no different than like just the repression of emotion, right? So the repression of the self, the repression of authenticity, um, the oppression, uh, um, repression of self-expression, you know, all of those things. I mean, what you're actually doing is you're detracting from the success of the organization, the success of the relationships that are built inside of that organization. Yeah, it's it's no different. If we can't show up as who we are, um, and I'm not talking about coming in and not doing your work and just talking about your personal life and treating the workplace as your therapy couch, right? right. But talking about that, I'm talking about being able to show up and say, hey, I'm Kelly, you know, I identify as gender fluid. I am a trauma-informed coach. Um, you know, these are my preferences. These are my hobbies, you know, just being me. This is how right. I work best, right? right? These are my boundaries. Right. And these are my values, right? This is what's important to me. And this is a trigger for me. If you, you know, I have hope and optimism. So if you come tell me like, there's no way it can be done. Everything's going to crap in a handbasket. Like that's not going to (laughs) fly. I I want a little bit of more optimism than that. Like how can we make it work versus it'll never work. So it's important to know about each other. Yeah. Solution orientation. Um, again, this was also part of a, a, an earlier conversation today. So it just, it comes up over and over again. And the more that we can let people know how we work best and what those boundaries are, you know, it just creates a much healthier environment, an environment where we can trust each other. We get further together and it does lead to the success of the organization. We see that as, you know, profit margin being a lagging indicator but that's an indicator of how much your teams trust each other, how much your team trusts you as the leader and on and on and on. All of this is so interconnected and so intertwined that it's fascinating to me doing this work, but you know, the correlation of trauma and leadership and consciousness. It's fascinating to me that this has all sort of become like an aha in the last few years. Right. Um, and that no one has really, really leaned into talking about it until now. So I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, it's nice that there is a space to talk about it and more acceptance to talk about it now because it's, you know, anytime you can bring something out into the light and talk about it, you can move forward. And in the absence of that, you just stuck with whatever is playing out. I It makes me think about burnout as well. You know, when we think about not showing up as your authentic self, that takes a lot of self-regulation, which we know is a limited resource. And that's exhausting if you're self-regulating every day, all day, not being yourself. And then on top of it, you throw a heavy workload, maybe a value that's out of alignment. And the next thing you know, you, you know, you're burned out and that's not helpful for an organization either. This authenticity piece is really important. What is important for leaders to know about trauma when developing and leading a team? I mean, I think two twofolds or from two different angles. I mean, for you as the leader, what's important for you to know is self-awareness. Again, my work is always going to come to how do you develop self-awareness? I think it starts with trauma integration and getting courageous and curious about what has happened in the past and how you're bringing that into your future or your present. Um, When it comes to leading a trauma-informed organization, that's a little bit different, right? So this is more about how to spot 
what might be going on with someone, not that you're there to diagnose them or be their therapist. That's not what we're talking about here. But a trauma-informed organization is one that operates uh, with an understanding of what trauma is and its negative effects on the employees, the communities that it serves, its customers, and actively works to sort of mitigate uh, those effects, right? So the more that you have an eye on and are tracking your employees to understand what could be going on for them, right? Um, Pandemic, uh, climate change, stuff at home, who's a caregiver, who's not, who has kids, who's not, you know, who doesn't, what things are happening in their lives. And this comes down to trust, right? So if you have sort of a a transparent environment where people are really comfortable sharing uh, what's going on with them personally, then it's a much different environment where you can really understand how to best support those people, right? Someone needs to some flex time because of something that's happening in their, their family life easy. You know, you can talk about that. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's most important to think about the self-awareness aspect, but then also making sure that you're also having an eye on the other people inside of your organization, supporting them and leaning in. Yeah. The, um, I think I I get a lot of clients who will say to me like, well, I'm not comfortable asking because I don't know, I'm not trained to respond to that. And there, you know, I, Uh, we often have the conversation about appropriate vulnerability, right? Like when you're sharing, you can share, like I, I have, I'm taking care of an aging uncle and um, it takes a lot of my mind share, very different than getting into the gritty details of like everything that you're doing. Right. So appropriate vulnerability, I think is important. Um, And also asking, you know, making it safe for people to say, like, you can share with me what you're comfortable with. Yes. Right. You don't need to tell me all the details of what's happening in your life or something deeply personal, but like you can tell me that it's, it's okay to say like, I've got some really big stuff happening at home right now um, that I need a little extra time and flex for. And so I think that's an important conversation for leaders to have. One of the practices that we do at P-Link Leadership for our trainings and also in our own company is what we call connection before content. And the first question we ask everyone at a meeting, even if it's a half hour meeting, is how are you arriving? And it gives people the space to say, sliding in hot from another meeting or, whoo, I just like, I just read an email that really got me ticked off, you know? And so I'm I'm feeling a little like, <laughs> I need to take a few deep breaths for a minute before I dive into this meeting or, you know, having a great day. And it's like, we always say, we love, a, we love an honest check-in right? Like, tell us how you're really arriving. Like, don't, don't tell us, oh, it's great. Just because we think we want to hear it because it creates a space for people to be themselves. Like we're human. If the pandemic taught us anything that kids interrupt us, cats jump on our desk, dogs bark at the UPS man, like it just happens, right? Like it is normal. Some days we wear a sweatshirt to work and not like some fancy thing and that's okay. And I think it's, um, that's all part of being able to create that psychological safety, those little tiny things that make it safe over time to share the bigger things that are going on and maybe yeah. impacting your work. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Is- I, I like how you said that, you know, appropriate vulnerability. And I think correlating it back to when someone is sharing, like, how is this impacting um, my ability to get my work done or this deadline that I need to meet or what have you, right? So yes, I'm dealing with this. This is the truth of what's happening in my experience. And this is how it's impacting, you know, for some people, they like formulas or they like something to grab onto in terms of how to phrase things. I find yeah. that that's also pretty difficult. 
um, to your point before about the leader who asks you, I'm not comfortable, you know, sharing because I'm not, or I'm not comfortable asking because I'm not um, equipped or I don't know how to respond. Right. I don't think it's about you needing to know how to fix the issue, right? That's the, the right. that is what that signals to me. I can't fix this for this person. Um, I might also ask in a situation like that, you know, depending upon what the person is sharing, um, could you actually see how that might be um, a little bit of an area that you need to work on if that is something that is uncomfortable for you that they're sharing, right? right? Um, yeah, I think I mean, information. we do a lot of training on uh, empathy res- and empathy response and how to do that well. And so many leaders think their job is to fix. And so the first, you know, as soon as somebody offers something personal, it's like, oh, now I'm in their business and trying, which is like, no, 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 that's an empathy myth, you know? And sometimes the very best thing to say in the spirit of a formula is I'm not sure what to say. And I'm so glad you told me. Perfect. And just leave it at that, you know, just stop there. You don't have to fix it. You know, just be present with whatever's going on for them. And, and, um, and that's enough. And that can, you know, I, I used to teach that. And then I was one day in the grocery store and kind of unloading on my mom, you know, as you do in my headphones. And, and she said, Oh, honey, Like, I just, I don't even know what to say about all of that, but I'm so glad you told me. And like, I felt every cell in my body kind of go. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that really works. It really works. It really works to be on the receiving end of it. It's like, it's just nice to know somebody's with you in it and not trying to fix it or change it or judge you for it or any of the things like just be, be there. And in the absence of doing any kind of empathy training or any kind of communications or vulnerability training with people, they don't know what to do. And they do feel afraid to bring it up because it's like, oh, I'm going to be way out of my depth. And so, you know, it doesn't, you don't need a PhD in empathy. Like you just need a couple of sentence stems to help you (laughs) when you don't know what to say. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You can always default to thank you for sharing, or I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So you heard it here. You have two things to say. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate you sharing, or I don't know what to say, but I'm so glad you told me. Or just, I'm so glad you told me, (laughs) you know, any of those things can help you. So um, as we wrap up today, what are some recommendations for learning more about this topic? My guess is people are kind of riveted, like, wow, like there's so much to unpack here. I want to know more. Um, So what kind of resources could you share? And we'll put these in the notes of the show so that... um, that they're available for everybody. Yeah, I've I've got a couple for sure. Um, there was um, an article that I recently wrote. I think it was the end of December of 2022. Um, in in Entrepreneur, it was called "Can Entrepreneurship Be a Trauma Response?" And so I think um, that article has certainly generated a lot of buzz. I think it had like 10,000 reads within the first few days. Um, That's a great article. Just as like a baseline, I share a little bit of sort of modeling vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, I share a little bit about um, something that I mentioned earlier during the show. So that's a great uh, top or a great article to share. Um, The other book that I would talk about is how to Love Your Business by Dr. Nicole Lewis Kieber. Um, we recently connected actually over that entrepreneur article. I was not aware of her work before that. So that's a great book. Um, I would also recommend How to Do the Work by Nicole LaPera. Um, and one of the books that I've been really, really jazzed about, um, which didn't come out that long ago, is... 
not necessarily, I mean, it touches, I would say it's kind of like an eyedropper in the realm of leadership, but it really talks about some of the mask wearing and, and mm. things like that, that we've been talking about related to trauma. Um, the Myth of Normal by Dr. Gibor Mate. And he authored that, co-authored that with his son, Daniel. So those are some great resources um, that you can start with. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. And we'll put those in the show notes. Kelly, thanks for being here. It's such an important topic and one that I think people shy away from. So thanks for being willing to like get right in there on it with me uh, and educate me as well. It's so much to learn from you. Um, looking forward to continuing our conversations. And um, thank you all for listening today. And we hope you take something important away. Thanks, Alexis. <laughs>